Welcome to the Storyline Podcast, where we are talking to global leaders about God's global mission. Welcome to the Storyline Podcast. My name is Kirby Holmes, and I am the host of today's show. Today, we have a fascinating conversation with a Ukrainian who has a very dynamic and interesting church you would never believe who is attending his local church in Ukraine. He's also the director for a missions agency within the Baptist denomination. And uh, listen to his heart and his understanding of what God is doing in this generation in missions from Ukraine. I think you'll be incredibly fascinated by his story. Hey, Vitaly, how are you? Hey, Kirby. Nice to see you. It's good to be with you in Ukraine. Thank you for coming to Kharkov. So I would like to hear just a little bit about just who you are. Okay, well, uh, um, I'm uh, 45 years old, uh, married. Uh, we have a 15-year-old daughter. We've been married for 27 years. And uh, I come from a non-Christian home. Uh, always was growing up during the Soviet Union times. And uh, actually, till my college years, I never thought of being a Christian. Uh, and then uh, after the uh, Iron Curtain fell, with things opening up, I... Um, began to consider uh, Christianity because I thought to myself, I'm going to be an educated person. And as an educated person, I need to read the historical masterpiece, which is the Bible. And uh, so found the Bible, started reading it. Um, uh, I have two uh, graduate degrees uh, in, in English and then in Ukrainian legislation. And I also have a PhD in uh, international public law. Uh, I'm a pastor of a church. Um, and now I also serve with uh, as the director of the Foreign Missions Committee of the Ukrainian Baptist Union. Well, I've enjoyed getting to know you over the last uh, few years yeah. since we met and uh, learning about your life and your ministry. Uh, but for people in America, tell them, how does somebody uh, come to faith in Christ in Ukraine, kind of after the fall of the Soviet Union? Well, after the fall, uh, things were very unique here because there was such a sense of um, hunger, spiritual hunger, and you could actually sense it in the air. Um, I was a student back then, and uh, the uh, when the Iron Curtain fell, you 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 could just feel it. People were hungry to 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 know. They were asking questions. Uh, you could witness to people. Uh, what what actually caused me to consider Jesus was that I I was learning English. Uh, I had never seen a foreigner in my life. And all of a sudden, all everywhere downtown Kharkov, we had the, you know, what it seems to be like small clusters, small crowds of people everywhere around. And I would come up to one or to another, and there would be an English-speaking person, mostly an American, with an interpreter. And he would be preaching the gospel, and the interpreter would be interpreting. And uh, I, I actually never listened carefully to what the guy was saying I was I envied the interpreter. To me, it was mm -hmm. like, how come that guy, that Ukrainian, got to stand next to and fellowship with a true mm -hmm. uh, foreigner, native English language speaker? And so that kind of was a motivation for me to start looking for something like that. But but for many people, because of that hunger, uh, they, they would come to churches. Uh, the churches were able to organize massive rallies. And everything was open. To, you could go freely to any school, any kindergarten, any um, hospital, anywhere. And people were just packing those you know, auditoriums 
to to just let people hear uh, what what the preachers were saying. Mm-hmm. Things are changing right now, of course. You know, Ukraine becomes very technologically advanced and very Western minded, and uh, so it's very very hard. People are more agnostic, or they become nominal Christians, but yeah. very individualistic. Yeah, and I remember you became a translator. And you right. started translating for Christians before you became a Christian, that's right? right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, it's, it's because I was motivated uh, yeah. to get to a, 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 a native, language, native English speaker. And so uh, I, I started reading the Bible, you know, and I found a Gideon, uh, New mm-hmm. Testament, uh, half the pages in Russian, half the pages in English. Mm-hmm. And because I was being trained to be an interpreter... I knew I had to know the vocabulary yeah. and the Bible vocabulary, things like uh, words like resurrection, ascension, mm-hmm. forgiveness, repentance, transfiguration are not your daily no. vocabulary. So I had to actually learn those verses, memorize those words. And then uh, in the summer of uh, 1994, uh, all of a sudden I got a phone call from a friend and he said that there would be uh, a team from America mm-hmm. uh, coming to a neighboring city in Russia here, just a few miles away. And, uh, and they were recruiting American, uh, Ukrainian interpreters to help. And he said, well, why don't you, I know you're studying the Bible, you want to be with them, and why don't you go? And so I went, and it was a, a group of people from San Antonio, Texas. Mm, all right, yeah, good Texans, yeah, great. Good Texans, and the accent, too, the draw. <laughs> yeah, that was something to get my ears adjusted, yeah. But, um, uh, and when they first asked us, first day, they said, are you Christians? And we are like, yeah, we are Christians. In my life, it was the first time I actually heard of the term, like, Baptist, Evangelical, mm-hmm. Protestant, I thought to myself, okay, what makes me a Christian? Well, I'm a Ukrainian. Ukraine is a Christian, you know, in parenthesis, nation. Mm-hmm. Ukraine was brought to Christ back in AD 988. Yeah. My parents are not Muslims. They're not Buddhist. They're not Hindu. So who am I? I'm naturally yeah. a Christian, you know? And so we said, yeah, yeah, we're Christians. And we actually didn't think that we were lying because we didn't mm-hmm. know the difference. But over the course of the week, mm-hmm. um, would, we would do these evangelisms in kindergartens, in hospitals, in the churches, in big auditorium downtown. The downtown, and um, uh, I, I was as, as the more I interpreted those gospel presentations and mm-hmm. and, and sermons and lessons for children, and uh, I began to realize that. Uh, I had to be born again. That that something there must be a decision. That something must occur. And also, uh, those years, they were very difficult years because of the collapse of everything. And the economy was in ruins and uh, there was so much uncertainty. And I was a young man. I was just, uh, I was I was not even 20 years old. I was 19. And uh, to me, there was a sense of hopelessness. Mm. You know, what, what would I become? You know, mm-hmm. four years after a gr- after today, you know, I will be graded in four years or in three years. Will I have a job? Yeah. Uh, how can I make a family? You know, no money, nothing. And, uh, but when we, so I come to this time, you know, I, I'm excited to be first of, first time in my life, you know, m- fellowshipping with real native English speakers, but I come with this baggage, you know, of, of hopelessness. Yeah. And uh, during the evenings so or during lunch breaks, when we would interact with the Americans, uh, I actually saw that uh, 
you know, in, in my mind, the Americans were always like rich, wealthy, no problem, problem-free life. And I saw that they also were just like me, you know, they, they dealt with daily life issues that they had, you know, family, health, uh, children, uh, daily concerns. But I saw that they had hope regardless of that of those difficulties and that they would trust Jesus Christ to take care of those burdens. And they talked in their prayers and they, they talked to God as if he was real, as if he was really hearing them. Mm-hmm. And that was something that caused me to to come to God and to right. say, God, you are a person, you are alive, you hear my prayers. And uh and because of that testimony mm-hmm. of word and also life, uh, both myself and then my girlfriend, now my wife, we yeah. came to know Jesus. Well, God has given you a very unique ministry now as a result of your faith in Christ and wanting to follow faithfully after him. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the unique ministry God's given you here. Well, uh, it's a twofold ministry. Uh, the first uh, part of this unique ministry is that I'm a pastor of a very unique church. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my church was planted, we planted our church uh, 18 years ago. And we originally planted it for Ukrainians. But a few man- months later, somehow, we don't know how, but uh, God brought three students from Uganda. It was uh, Easter Sunday. They came here to this church and they said, uh, we are from Uganda, we are Christian students, and uh, we are looking for a place to worship the Lord Jesus on this Easter morning. Mm. And I, it's, it's the first time I actually considered, like, we actually have foreigners in Kharkov, you know, and they are Christians, and they need a place of worship. So I started talking to them, and they're like, there are many of us, and there was not a single church where we could go and actually fellowship together and uh, worship Jesus. And I said, look, guys, today is Sunday, today is Easter. Stay, come. You know, we, we want to make sure that you are with us. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have an English language service. So they came to a Russian language service, but I had an interpreter for them right there. Yeah. And, and they stayed with us and they liked our fellowship. And as I was talking to them, I realized, you know, that... Uh, X18, and you should be my witnesses to the ends of the world, uh, that the ends of the world can actually come under the roof of this building. Mm-hmm. And later on, I realized that today in the city of Kharkov, we have uh, over 120,000 international students from like 120 countries of the world. And most of them come from the 1040 windows. Most of them come here to uh, to Ukraine and they sit at the desk, sit at the classrooms with Christians, Mm -hmm. and they may never get a Christian witness when they go back, and this is like the only mission opportunity, Mm -hmm. uh, outreach opportunity that we may have to actually tell about Jesus before they go away, Mm -hmm. but when they go away with education, they're going to have jobs, careers, and uh, 20 years down the road, they'll be the leaders of their societies. I thought to myself, it's a unique thing. And I didn't have any game plan for that. It was just given to me in one day from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we prayerfully surrendered this plan to God and started praying and just working with international students. And for 18 years, uh, we've run uh, an international uh, church. Mm-hmm. I have students from over 20 countries of the world. 
and uh, we, we have French-speaking students, Portuguese-speaking students, we have students from India, we have a separate Chinese congregation, and, uh, and I know over this time we had probably a thousand students who came through our church, and uh, this is a mission, this is the mission of our church, to make and to send disciples to all the nations. And uh, so far, I think we are still the only church in the Baptist Union of Ukraine who focuses on international students' outreach like that. And then because of this, you know, because I've, I've been, I came to know Christ through missionaries. I had missionaries, the U.S. missionaries who actually discipled and mentored me. Uh, we run this international missionary-minded church, and that kind of, I guess, paved the way for the new role. And that's the second part of this unique ministry mm-hmm. that I have just a year ago. Um, I was uh, elected to be the director of the Foreign Missions Committee of the Ukrainian Baptist Union. Yeah. And uh, the whole vision of our Baptist Union is to mobilize the churches of our union to uh, fulfill their missionary calling. We believe that the Lord gives the missionary calling to every Christian in every church without exemption. And, and therefore, we just want to make sure that they are organized, they are mobilized, they are equipped, and missionaries are sent. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's something. It it is still something new for us, but uh, that actually makes it more exciting, more unique because we, we get to uh, we get to create something uh, mm-hmm. with our efforts. Yeah, and you, Ukraine has a unique opportunity in the world. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about uh, Ukraine, Ukrainian church members, yeah. and the opportunities to send missionary teams. Like, what does that like? What's, yeah. what's possible? Yeah, well, uh, I, I think the possibilities are great for us because, uh, first of all, Ukrainians are, uh, they are educated. Uh, even when they come from village church, they would have some sort of education. And many of them, especially in the village church, they would have a the very strong vocational training. So they're very good workers, very dedicated workers. They're also very committed Christians. So we're able to send uh, not lukewarm or some people who will be very weak in their theology and they wouldn't know what to do, but we can send very strongly equipped uh, Christians, both theologically and vocationally. Uh, Secondly, right now, you know, we are very grateful that the uh, the world has opened up to Ukrainians, and uh, today there are over 120 countries where Ukrainians can actually travel without a visa, and uh, many of these countries are in the Central Asia, in uh, in Southeastern Asia, in Africa, where you can just fly in and get the stamp at the passport upon arrival, and stay there for you know three months or six months, and then you can renew or extend your visa. So the travel becomes uh, affordable, the travel, the borders are open, and um, also Ukrainians are perceived in many countries of the world uh, differently, or I would say in a better way than uh, Christian missionaries from, from the West. Mm-hmm. Because in, the, in, the many, in many countries, the idea of a missionary is somebody from, from America or from the Western Europe who come, and you know, uh, right now, because of the political situations and, and the wars, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Americans or Western Europeans are not perceived very well. And there is more danger, you know, security issues for Americans and for Western Europeans. But it's not the case for Ukrainians. When Ukrainians come, they, they are more welcome. 
uh, especially in the former Soviet Union or in the former Warsaw bloc countries. Uh, Ukrainians are perceived much, much better. We're like Eastern European or Slavic or former Soviets. Mm -hmm. And so there is like a former background which kind of creates a bridge for us to to, to fit in the culture and in the environment where we would serve. Yeah, so you do have lots of opportunities. Uh, what are the barriers? What are some of the hard things, though, about kind of getting the church moving in that direction? Mm -hmm. Well, the church uh, right now, we, we see more uh, interest right now in the churches. Uh, we, we, we find out that many churches don't even think in terms of foreign missions. And part of it because uh, during the Soviet Union times when the church was uh, uh, persecuted, they had to focus everything uh, from, from from within, you know, mm -hmm. they have to keep that church existing. And so yeah. they were building inside the walls, basically. And, and therefore, there was no vision to uh, for the, you know, extensive, aggressive outreach. And then specifically for foreign missions, because Christians were so limited, they were, they were, you know, fenced in to, to their congregations, to their church buildings, and it's all total control. And uh, many churches still keep that mi mindset. Uh, another thing is that uh, in Ukraine, we still think that we lack financial resources. And of course, we, we do lack financial resources compared to other, let's say, nations, more advanced uh, nations. But we're not a third world country any longer. I think we could be like a second world country if there is a term like that, because Ukraine is developing and the investments come in and, and there are jobs and, and people get jobs. And even though it is difficult, but we're not as poor, let's say, as those Christians in Africa or in mm -hmm. Southeastern Asia or mm -hmm. in Asia or in India. And so, but, but many people think, hey, we don't have enough money to run church mm -hmm. programs. We don't have enough money to do evangelism. We can't fix the roof of our mm -hmm. church. Why do we need to send uh, money to a missionary? Because when a missionary comes and he says or she says, look, my budget is, let's say, $10,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And some Ukrainians don't get that. They're like, ooh. I mean, they go there just to be rich uh, and uh, enjoy life. Mm -hmm. But this is not the, true. But this is kind of the mindset. And so it is teaching the churches to open up their, uh, to expand their horizons, yeah. okay? And then it is teaching the church to, uh, to give. Mm -hmm. But I could see the results when, when the church, when the churches actually started giving and mm -hmm. started praying and started sending mm -hmm. and uh, receiving missionaries. Uh, God is working. Mm -hmm. And, and the, there have not been any complaints. Mm -hmm. And they can now go and testify, hey, look, we, we, we challenged God. Uh -huh. Because God challenged us first, and, and now we see that God is blessing us, and it's, it's a blessing. So those two things, kind of the mindset and the financial, um, the financial. Uh, it, it, but we're teaching this, and one of the key for us, one of the key areas of our ministry is, is to teach the church to, to both understand the vision and the calling mm -hmm. that they can either send or pray or financially support or to receive a missionary and to serve the missionaries when they come back. And um, and uh, let them understand that uh, there are not a single church who supports a missionary or all the missionaries. We have a large union, mm -hmm. and our union is the largest Baptist union in Europe. Mm -hmm. We have over two thousand churches. We have almost uh, I, I think we have like up to three hundred thousand people who attend our church services in the on Sundays, and then resources are basically available mm -hmm. and. Uh, when we teach them to do that, 
we'll, we'll be able to do things. Mm-hmm. It's been exciting to be a part of that over the last few years. Yeah, thank you very how, much for being uh, yeah. Ukrainians are saying, you know, we want to be a part, a part mm-hmm. of God's calling and a part of his purpose to reach mm-hmm. all peoples in the world. Mm-hmm. That uh, it's something that you aspire to. And I see that. Yeah. And so it's been a beautiful thing to watch and yeah. to see. So thank you for your faithfulness and your role to help uh, motivate the church, educate the church, cast vision, and be strategic. You're a strategic thinker, so I'm grateful for you thank and you what you bring to me. your committee thank you. and what you bring to the church. Thank you. Just tell, uh, tell us one thing you're excited about in your life or for the future of this mm-hmm. year. Well, I'm very excited about several things. First of all is uh, that uh, currently we have uh, 25 missionaries, long-term missionaries who serve in uh, 14 countries of the world. And these are the missions who went through our missions committee. Mm-hmm. And we have more who are supported individually by, by churches mm-hmm. and they came in, went individually. But those who came through, went through us, you know, 25 in 14 countries. Uh, right now we have six seminaries in our Baptist Union who, which have uh, mission uh, preparation programs. And we have over 40 students right now who are enrolled in this program. And so they're, they're getting various sorts of training and they have already dedicated their lives to go uh, for long term to somewhere in the world where the Lord is calling them. And so that is exciting. So we can see a new generation of, uh, of uh, missionaries who are already preparing. Plus there is an interest, in, interest among the, 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 the youth in the churches who, who want to see what mission is like. And, and they, we can send them short term or just to expand their vision or to recommend them where they can study more and where they could go. So it's great. And the second thing which is exciting for me is that uh, it's a challenging task, but I think it's doable by God's grace. We, this, uh, this August 29th, 28th and 29th of August, we'll have the third missionary forum. Uh, all Baptist Union for, for, for all of our churches. So we want to make a large gathering of people, bring our missionaries together and to allow our, uh, our church members to actually meet, uh, sometimes for the first time in their lives, a true Ukrainian missionary whom they send and whom they support and whom they pray for and hear those stories and to see how their, uh, in, uh, how their investment uh, impacts uh, those nations or those communities where mission, those missionaries serve. Wow. But I keep dreaming about how God is going to keep using new parts of the world that formerly, within the last 30 years, have received missionaries. But uh, like Ukraine, now are looking to be the senders. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I think about the places that still need to hear about Jesus, mm-hmm. where there is no church, there are no Christians, mm-hmm. there is no Bible in their language... Mm-hmm. Uh, those are places where if somebody becomes a Christian, they'll probably be immediately persecuted yeah. for that new faith in Christ. Yeah. And uh, I have a hard time imagining sometimes that Americans would be the best ones mm-hmm. to have that relationship with mm-hmm. that new Christian that's now being persecuted, being yeah. maybe exiled from their family or being kicked out of their village, losing their job yeah. and no longer having a community. And yeah. uh, sometimes I just really think how Ukrainians or Russians or other people who have come from persecuted places... Mm-hmm. Or, or don't live with as many uh, material, as high of material standards in terms of economics, that they'll be able to meet people around the world who mm-hmm. need Jesus, yeah. that uh, that's closer to their reality, yeah. and just how much more sympathetic you'll be able to be with yeah. them, how much more love and compassion and just practical skills you'll be able to bring to that situation yeah. that I just don't think an American could possibly bring. So. That's one of the things I'm excited about for you and for yeah, the Ukrainian you. church. Yeah, and we are, we're very grateful for your encouragement and for your support. And we really need to learn 
from your examples because uh, uh, missions agencies in the West have existed for so many years and uh, uh, they have so much experience mm -hmm. uh, which we need to gain uh, because the, their experience will help us not make mistakes. You've learned many things which we are yet to learn and to discover. And so hearing your stories and um, uh, you know, really having good relationships with you will help us um, move further mm -hmm. beyond what uh, Christians in the West and Christians in Ukraine dream about. Yeah. But we're grateful for your support and your prayers. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for your time, Vitaly. Thank you, Kirby. It's a pleasure. Did you know recently Storyline has been present in three continents around the world? Uh, recently, we were down in South America. Uh, we were hosting training and passing along Storyline resources down in Chile. And we had representatives of mission mobilization organizations from uh, every country there in South America who were wanting to know what tools could they use to help cast a bigger vision and educate people biblically on God's mission in the world. And how could Christians in South America be sent to the unreached people of the world? And uh, we were recently down in Africa, in the country of Uganda and Malawi, uh, working with the Christian leaders in those countries, asking the same questions. How could we be more effective at mobilizing our churches to be a part of God's global mission in this generation? And uh, in Ukraine, uh, spending time with national leaders who want to motivate their churches, educate them and inspire them, a, a new generation of youth and young people who are hungry to participate in God's plans in the world. And Storyline is uh, participating and helping resource that effort uh, from Eastern Europe. So it's just amazing to see God using Storyline around the world. And we're just humbled and honored to participate with these great leaders around the world who understand God's heart for the nations and are inviting us to help them as they pursue God and their calling. Just what a joy it is for us as an organization. And if you have any questions about who we are or want to learn more about Storyline, go to our website, www.storylinemissions.org.